You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 155. I see this as part of being a coach and trying to stay out of judgment is to allow people to feel the experience of that sense of trust and intimacy and that coaching presence that we can surround ourselves with all the time. And I think it makes me a calmer person. It makes me a more humble person. And also, which is not my long suit, patient. It brings patience into my life, you know, and it's it's allowing things to develop in their own time and in the right way. And I think being a coach and being a coach in my life Mm -hmm. is a derivative of that. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Well, hello and welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler. I am delighted to have you here and excited to share this week's show with you. I think it's going to open a different perspective and give you something to reflect on that maybe you hadn't thought about. I'm joined this week by my dear friend, Minna Brown. Minna is a master certified coach. She has been a coach for over 20 years. Her space in coaching is executive coaching and career coaching, and she also is a very gifted and inspiring teacher of coaching. She has her own coach school, Coach Academy International, and I'm honored to work with her at Coach Academy International. Minna and I were talking about something that she had been reflecting on recently, which is the concept of how we show up each and every day as coaches, how we live as coaches, not just how we partner with our clients or how we honor our clients as whole, resourceful, and creative, but that as human beings, how do we show up and engage with family and friends and neighbors and customers in stores and people we pass walking on the street? How do we engage and live with the principles of coaching? And it was such a wonderful conversation that she and I had that we decided to bring that conversation to the show today. So I hope that this gets you thinking a little bit about how you show up each and every day and how you live as a coach. Let's go to our interview with Master Certified Coach, Minna Brown. Minna, my dear friend, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thank you for inviting me to join you. Well, you know, it's nice to have you back. You being a dear friend as you are, you were on the show early on to talk about career coaching. And since then, you and I have obviously had many conversations. And this topic that we're going to talk about today, which is sort of living as a coach, 
started a great conversation between us and we thought we'd bring it to the audience. But before we go there, and I'm super excited to go there with you, I'd like to start with you sharing what it is that makes you passionate about working with coaches. Oh, that is such a heart place, you know. I actually, this past week, I started getting so excited because our next class starts in just a few weeks and I'm doing orientation calls tomorrow and Wednesday. And my heart races because working with people who are drawn to coaching and who want to learn more about coaching, my experience is that there is this really powerful, strong, common denominator of wanting to help and serve others. And it comes from such a a deep sense of purpose and gratitude. And when you tap into that kind of joy inside someone, it just becomes such a, a powerful experience for me as a teacher. And then also for the people in the class and the people that I work with, they bond like cement. Don't they though? Yes. Because there's this energy that has brought them all into that place together. In your program, they're literally together for eight days. And I know because I have the honor of doing your mentoring for your program, that that bond stays beyond that eight days, that they are really connected with one another. And the energy that you bring stays with them because I hear that (laughs) even post-class. I hope so, that's a good thing. <laughs> it is a good thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And and how long have you been working with people to become coaches? Yeah, I started the program back in late 2004-2005. It was in those early days when I wanted to get certified and I looked around and couldn't really find a program that kind of met, met my, I don't know, fussy needs. And so a colleague and I hired two master certified coaches and two master NLP practitioner trainers, and we built our own. So that is just, I want everybody to hear that. Minna built her own certification program, and then you now are able to bring it forward for other coaches. Yeah, and it's evolved. You know, it's taken on a lot of development. We've changed it. Every time we do a class, we ask for feedback. And I tell you, and, and, and you and I both know, feedback is such a gift. And that feedback from every session we've done has sourced the changes and developments and improvements and a little tweak here and a little tweak there. And every single session is fresh and has new approaches, et cetera. Peggy, one of my facilitators, early on, she would bring her old manual because she would write her notes in it. And I would always be giving her a new manual because I've updated in some way and changed out some content. And she would say, well, men, I'm finally learning that I just need to not bring my manual anymore because you're going to give me a new one. So it's like that comes right. keeping it you know, keeping Keeping it it fresh, keeping it up to date. And then very, very much feeds into what we're talking about today. Because as a coach instructor, you are also living your life as a coach, taking in that information. And so let's talk about what we were going to focus on today and what it was about this topic as how to live coaching. What was that that made it something that 
was really intriguing for you to address? Yeah, you and I were talking about, you know, all sorts of different coaching skills and capabilities and things. And then at a deep, deep level, it occurs to me, and I think you shared this view, is that the more we learn coaching and and are coaches and, and demonstrate coaching skills, but then especially teaching coaching and being a mentor coach, the more it becomes part of our own being. And I just was have been reflecting lately in the last couple of years about how my learning to be a good coach and my and also striving to be a master certified coach, but then teaching coaching to people who are so heart centered and open and willing to learn. It occurred to me that being a coach has reshaped at a very deep level, really a lot of me. I think it and I say to the class you actually leave with a little bit different DNA. It changes the way you see life. It changes the way you engage with people. And I just feel like it has such profound positive effects on every aspect of my life and others in our relationships, in dealing with conflict or disagreement, in our family, being a mom, which I love being a mom. And, and other every other aspect of my life, I think being a coach and the things that I bring from coaching shows up. And I just think it's so powerful and rich. And, and I know that your listeners, many of your listeners are already coaches or strike right. coaches. They will connect, I'm positive, with several aspects of these kinds of things. And I agree. As we were talking, we talked about four particular elements or sort of areas that we can zero in on and give some examples of how being a coach and the things that we learn in our work with our clients, in our work with other coaches, then become apparent in the way, like you said, we show up as moms, the way that we show up as daughters, the way that we show up as as collaborators (laughs) in things that we do. So we're going to start with looking at how does it impact the way that we listen? Yeah. And what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I think the one gift, again, I'll say this to my students, the one gift that is just profoundly generous, if you think about it, is giving someone else your full undivided attention for a period of time no matter what what they're saying, what you're engaging in. But when you give someone else your full attention, deeply listening, it is such a lovely gift to the other person. How many times does that happen in our life, really? But then as I think about my relationships and friends and family, et cetera, I think about the ability to really click in to deep listening really fast is something that I've honed in. And it just now it's kind of in that space of unconscious competence. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. So I went to my high school class reunion. Now I have not been back to this town or seen any of these people since I was 19 years old. Wow. So I walk into a room full of almost strangers and I found it instantly easy to walk up to someone who I know I know them, but I didn't recognize them and start to, you know, we'd look at their name tag and figure out who it was. 
And then just, but just ask simple questions and be so interested in what they were sharing and being able to listen fully and not get distracted by, you know, 50 or 60 other people in the room. And I found that I really connected with so many people at a different level than I did when I would have, you know, not even possible when I was in my 20s. But it just was, it felt very rich to me. Oh, I bet. The other thing that I that came to mind for me as, as we were talking about this is that we might have a tendency with people that we know well to fall into assumption with them. Oh, yeah. And, you know, people in our, my kids, I might assume that I know what they're talking about or my husband or my siblings. And when I am more conscientious about my listening particularly with people that I know well, getting out of that place of assuming and getting back into a place of just deep listening and wondering with the people that I love. It it creates a different kind of communication. And I've been really conscientious about that the more I kind of learn and grow through my coaching journey. Yeah. And it's so, it's amazing with those people we know so well, who we easily can fill in the blanks. And we have all of these assumptions. I call it hallucination. So (laughs) we think we know, but then it's very, very powerful. I think for them, as well as us, for us to be in that state of just really listening to what they're saying. And, you know, as a, as a coach, listening to what they're not saying and being interested in that and, and trying to understand as opposed to solve a problem. And I just think that changes the way that we engage with people we know as well as people we don't know. And that really rolls us very well into our next element that we were going to look at, which is the whole concept of judgment. And what comes to mind for you in how you live as a coach and how that impacts the element of judgment? You know, as a coach, we are from the right from the start, we are learning how to not be the problem solver, to not be the solution provider. We are not in charge of the answer. And yet, I think as human beings, we naturally, we naturally are problem solvers. A lot of us came from different avenues, different pathways, yours in therapeutic and mine in a business, but Mm -hmm. then we are rewarded for having answers. Right. And so being able to step away from that need, I mean, it's almost like you have to unentangle yourself with the need to provide a solution. And so when we can let go of needing to solve something, that sometimes that solution problem solving causes us to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. And and I do tease people. I mean, it's not that I have no opinions. Uh, you know, I certainly do. And I have different, that opinion and judgment, I call, you know, kind of Siamese twins. So finding a way to not have an opinion, to not be in judgment, I will sometimes say to myself, now, Minna, you know, this is little, little tapes that are running right. around in my head when I find myself, because I inevitably will find myself in that space is to say, wait a minute, 
you don't know the whole story. You do not know. You do not walk walk in that person's shoes. You do not know what their life is. And there's a quote that I read recently that the head is a world. You're not in their world. You can let go of that judgment. You can let go of that opinion and just stay engaged with the other person and and not be in judgment. Judgment tends to shut things down. Right. And then you end up with kind of competing and it's like, I found that I don't enjoy that. I prefer to find common ground and stay out of judgment as much as I can. I will be honest with you. There are lots of circumstances where I can instantly jump, fall into a judgment of some sort. And we know that we get triggered. And I think part of that is to live it though. How do we be... Increase our awareness of that and then make a different choice. Get back to that place of, but I really don't know. So what do I need to listen for? Or what might I need to ask to better and to get out of this place of, because I'll admit when I get into a place of judgment, I can shut down or I cannot want to hear or just want to give my opinion. So what do I need to do to get back in that place of listening? And I think that hits and I'm going to move to that, that next topic, which I think is the antidote to judgment, which is curiosity. One of the things that we learn as coaches is how to be curious. You know, one of our competencies is powerful questions. And there is this whole notion of creating awareness and understanding at a deeper level. So when I fall into a judgment situation or having my opinion, what I use as my antidote is to, it's like flip the coin over and say, okay, now what, I mean, I don't know everything. I don't walk in their shoes, but then more importantly, what am I curious about? And I will often ask myself, what do I not know? What do I I not know about this person, about this situation? So it helps me kind of, you know, you can't naturally like don't do something it's you, what you can do when you want to change that is do something different. Exactly. You know, and we teach so if that. I don't want to be judgmental, what do I want to be instead? I want to be Bingo. curious. Bingo. And I think that the fill in the blank, what do I want to be instead is curious. And coaches, the best coaches are deeply curious and curious at deep levels yes. so that I do find when I'm, I mean, particularly things that trigger might be something that one of my two children might say. And it's so easy with the people we're closest with to, you know, have an opinion. And then I just bring it back to what is it I don't know? What is it that I am curious about? What is it that is different than some of my assumptions? So good. And curiosity, as a matter of fact, I actually did an entire episode of the Curiosity is the Antidote, I think was the name of the, I'll put a link to that in the oh, show notes. Perfect. But anything else about the concepts of judgment and curiosity that you wanted to touch on? One thing that happens, I think a lot, particularly in today's world with the economy and everything else that goes on, is that we can easily find ourselves in one pocket of an attitude, an approach, a a feeling. And I have really worked very hard the last few years to really 
up my curiosity and to step out of judgment. It's something that can be very, very difficult when it touches on some deep sense of your beliefs, the values, values. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and things that you hold really dear, but it's still, and I have noticed that it does allow me to have a, a meaningful not charged, uncharged conversation with somebody who I may disagree with, but I can let go of the judgment, the need to be right. I mean, I think a lot of us like, I like being right. So letting go of that and trying to be really in a neutral place. I may not be able to come to an agreement with this person, but I, or people or whatever, but I certainly can be able to take in more information. And that will always inform my point of view. And and I just don't think we can quit doing that and just shut down and say, okay, my point of view is just the way it is and everybody else is wrong. And I think that is dangerous. I think it's dangerous for me personally. Mm -hmm. I think it's dangerous for our, our friends and family. And I think it's dangerous for our society, just finding ways to just Stay open to the conversation. That is absolutely, I think, essential to us moving forward together and and being a society that we all want to be a part of. And that opens us up to our final element that we were looking at, which is how living coaching opens us up to possibilities. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, isn't that a beautiful stream of flow that... When we are able to set aside our judgment, be more curious, really cultivate that sense of deep listening, then what happens is that as a coach, we're more open to begin with. And then separately, we're looking at all the possibilities. One of the coaching competencies, and you may have had a podcast on this too, and that's designing actions. Right. And when I'm teaching that, the one thing that I try to stress is that designing actions is not just about jumping into an action plan. Right. You know, that's the next one. But designing actions is about cultivating possibilities. It's about, you know, that that simple kind of phrase, well, what else? Mm-hmm. And what else? And what else? I mean, you can start sounding like a little parrot, but the fact that just scratching the surface and just asking for one idea inside myself as well as others is really limiting your perspective. It's limiting your your whole point of view. And if you can just say, well, what else is there? Mm-hmm. What are the things I'm overlooking, which ties mm-hmm. back to curiosity? What am I overlooking? What is it that I don't know? How can I open up additional possibilities? There is in NLP, and we teach neuro-linguistic programming in elements of that in our training. There's a couple of really great NLP presuppositions, and I won't go into a dissertation on that. Anybody that's listening can go look at, but presuppositions. And one is choice is better than no choice. And so often we'll find ourselves thinking, well, this is the only thing I can do. Well, wait a minute. There are lots of possibilities. I mean, so what are the other things I can consider? And then the more choices, the better, so that we really lay out a smorgasbord of possibilities that then we can either assemble 
some select ones. We can choose among a variety of them. And I find that when I know that I'm being stuck on one thing, Mm -hmm. what that brings to me is that no, 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 there are more choices. I just haven't expanded my range of possibilities yet. And I do that with my clients. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the things you're not thinking about? What can you expand here? What options have you dismissed? And so those are the things that I can ask myself and how that shows up in my life. And the same thing, sharing that with my kids or my family is, well, what are your other options? And I just think the whole world, it's like the world is your oyster, right? Exactly. The whole world is full of possibilities. And we can get so caught in whatever it is that we're dealing with that our world becomes very, very small. I remember a session I had a while ago. And I said to my client, as you explore the different options in front of you, what becomes available? And there was dead silence, just silence. And she, then she gasped and she said, oh my gosh, I have possibilities. Ah. I have options. She was so stuck in sort of the tiny world that had become for her through her overwhelm that just by saying, so what might open up for you as an option? It was, I have options. I think she said, I have options like eight times in a row. And then the energy just shifted. So we all have options. We all have possibilities. And I think that sometimes our world can feel very, very small. And what can we do to open up our own world? That's exactly right. What does curiosity and let go of judgment, what does that do for your ability to be kind to other people, for your ability to give the checkout, the register person at the the supermarket a few minutes of your time to say hello, to smile, to ask how their day's going, to, you know, smile at people that you pass and in the road or whatever, and, and just to be kind to people. I mean, and that living as a coach, mm-hmm. I think in some ways is the exact application of that old quote or phrase that you've heard, which is people may not remember what you've said, but they will remember how you made them feel. Yes. And so taking, as you're saying, taking those few minutes to just say to someone who delivers the pizza or who is doing some work for you, thank you so much. I so appreciate your promptness or what just small things can make people feel what seen. They're not invisible. They're seen. They're appreciated. And if we can express that, and I see this as part of being a coach and trying to stay out of judgment is to allow people to feel the experience of, you know, that sense of trust and intimacy and that coaching presence that we, we can surround ourselves with all the time. And I think it makes me a calmer person. It makes me a more humble person. And also, which is not my long suit, patient. It brings patience into my life, you know, and it's, it's allowing things to develop in their own time and in the right way. And I think being a coach and being a coach in my life mm-hmm. is a derivative of that. Wow, what a beautiful way to bring these thoughts to sort of full circle. Thank you for bringing the essence of who Minna is forward and being able to explore. Coaching is beyond 
we just don't coach with our clients and then put it on a shelf and go on with our lives. If we're truly coaches, we are coaches all the way down to our toes and it shows up in so many other ways. Yeah. I want to share a little anecdote or just a little piece of personal history if I can. And as you know, but maybe some of our listeners might not, your listeners, I have a an older daughter and son. So my daughter's 36, my son's 33. And uh, of course, I've been a coach for going on 23 years. I'm in my 23rd year. So I would say most of their life and certainly most of Paul's life since he was 10, I've been a professional coach and I've been learning and I've been trying to follow some of the things that we've talked about. Well, several years ago, my son, Paul, had decided that he would start, and I didn't know this at the time, but he would start writing down little one-liners, little quips that I might say. Some things like, honey, you'll never go wrong making your boss look good. Or just little one-liners that he has taken into his own life and career and other things. So a few years after he started compiling all these things, he said, he finally told me, mom, I'm writing all this down. And guess what? I'm writing a book. I said, what's your book? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to, you know, this is going to be a tell all and I need to go hide under the bed. Um, And he said, no, he said, you know what, mom, I find that none of my coworkers, none of my friends know some of the things that you have demonstrated to me. And so my book is going to be Son of a Coach. Oh, how neat. I know. And it's going to be little short essays with these little one-liner quips and things like that. But he got home from Washington this weekend and and we were just chatting and catching up. And so I said, I'm going to be doing this podcast with Meg. And I said, you would be the perfect person for me to ask this question. What has impacted your life by the fact that I'm a coach? Your mom is a coach. And how has that directly impacted you? And he gave it some quick thought because he said, you know, there's a lot I could say, but he said, I want to say two things. He said, first of all, I just don't complain much anymore because I've started reformulating the fact that I'm in charge of my life and that if there's a problem, there's not going to be anything good that's going to come out of whining about it, that I need to look at my solutions. And that by looking at solutions, I'm empowered to look at possibilities and options and solutions and move past misery. Oh, wow. so that, I know, wasn't that great? And that, and he and I have talked about, there's another NLP presupposition, which is we are all responsible for creating our own experience. And so that was, and I said, well, is that that presupposition you were talking about? And he said, that's right on the money. He says, I'm in charge of my experience. I just don't complain much anymore. And then the second thing he said is that I have a different relationship with advice. That was the way he phrased it. And I thought, now what does that mean? I have a different relationship with advice. And he said, well, from two angles. For one is that when someone asks me for advice, I tend to hear you in my ear, not answering and giving them advice, but helping them discover what they want to to do, you know, being curious about what they're looking for and not being the advisor, but kind of wearing a little bit of the coaching hat. Oh, wow. 
flip side is that when someone gives me advice, whether solicited or not, when someone gives me advice, I hear you saying it's a gift, accept it, process it, learn from it, and you can accept or reject it, but be open to it because in the past, he might have been more stubborn and just tuned out. And so really fascinating just in the last 24 hours that I asked Paul this question based on our podcast. And I felt, you know, that's how we can affect others who are not coaches, but other people in our lives to potentially be open and and be able to not just automatically give advice, but to accept advice with graciousness and curiosity, and then to find solutions rather than stand around and complain about things. So I just thought those were really Oh, I'm so glad you shared those. Those were very special. And I bet as a mom, that just made your heart sing. Yeah. Oh, that's just beautiful. and, And it's really been transformative in my relationship with my adult children. And I would say we're all very, very close. So it's been a special part of our family is they're all kind of by osmosis pulling in these various things that we that I've learned and that I try to to live by. And role model. Absolutely. Try to be a good role. And thank you for bringing that family example forward because it was incredibly, it was just beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Wait for his book to come out. I keep fussing at him. It's like, Paul, this is going to be a really fun book. He's got a great sense of humor. And so I just, I'm just one of these days we'll have this really fun. Yeah. You're going to have to let us know when that book comes out because that's a book I'm going to want. Yeah. Son of a coach. (laughs) That's awesome. You have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Meg. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed this week's show as much as I enjoyed spending time with Minna, looking through this lens of how we can live each and every day as coaches, bringing those principles and just embodying the concepts of coaching as we go through our day-to-day interactions. If you'd like to know more about Minna Brown or Coach Academy International, be sure to check out the links in the show notes for today's show at starcoachshow.com. If you are getting value of our show and you want to share with another coach, let them know about the Star Coach Show. I would be so appreciative as well as any review wherever you might listen to the podcast would be greatly appreciated and does increase the visibility of the show. I want you to please come back again next week as we continue to explore strategies, tools, and resources for professional coaches. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a wonderful day.